0: Good to have you with us here on Cresta in the afternoon. I am Jerry Usher in for Al today. And uh, we are going to be joined, God willing, momentarily here by Father Thomas McDermott. He is the pastor of the Catholic Center at Purdue University. He entered the Dominican Order in 1977 and was ordained in 1983. And we are going to be talking about St. Catherine of Siena. Born and raised in Siena, uh, she wanted to, this is from Wikipedia, She wanted from an early age to devote herself to God, and that was against the will of her parents. And she joined the uh, Mantelet Mantelet, Alate group, if I said that right, a group of pious women, primarily widows, informally devoted to Dominican spirituality. And her uh, influence with Pope Gregory XI played a role in his 1376 decision to leave Avignon for Rome. Very famous uh, case where uh, St. Catherine of Siena told the Pope, you belong in Rome, that's where you should be. And uh, the Pope actually did go uh, leave uh, Avignon for Rome. The popes uh, then sent Catherine to negotiate peace with Florence. After Gregory the Eleventh's death and the conclusion of, of uh, uh, the conclusion of peace, she returned to Siena. She dictated to secretaries her set of spiritual treatises, the Dialogue of Divine Providence. The Great Schism of the West led Catherine of Siena to go to Rome with the Pope. She sent numerous letters to princes and cardinals to promote obedience to Pope Urban VI and to defend what she calls the Vessel of the Church. St. Catherine of Siena died April 29th on this day in 1380, exhausted by her rigorous fasting. And we are going to be talking more about that with Father Thomas McDermott, pastor of the Catholic Center at Purdue University. He entered the Dominican Order, as I said, in 1977, was ordained. In 1983, he is the uh, writer and editor of several books about St. Catherine of Siena, and author of an introduction to Catholic spirituality book titled, Filled with All the Fullness of God. Father McDermott, welcome to our program.
1: Thank you very much. Nice to
0: be back. Very good to have you back, and I'm so delighted that we're going to be talking about St. Catherine of Siena today on our feast day. We've got, uh, thanks be to God, two wonderful segments with you here on the program. So I think maybe um, a good place to start would be to situate Catherine in history for us, if you will, the time period in which she lived and, and, and so forth.
1: Well, uh, her dates, again, are 1347 to 1380, and it was a very tumultuous time, uh, Um, far worse than our own. Uh, We have COVID, but they had the bubonic plague during her time, which um, three successive waves came through uh, her part of uh, Italy and decimated, it's estimated, at least a third of the population of her hometown, Siena. And she participated in uh, nursing those who were sick. Uh, Of course, most of them died anyway at the... um, The hospital, one of the earliest medieval hospitals, which is uh, still standing near the cathedral in Siena. Then in addition to that, uh, there was a lot of um, quarreling in the church and by the time she died, there were uh, three claimants to the papal office and uh, that wasn't resolved until after uh, she died. Uh, She did a lot for church unity and um, she uh, for most of her, for, well, a for good part of her adult life, uh, the Pope was in uh, not in Rome, where he should have been as Bishop of Rome, but he was in Avignon in the south of France, off and on for 70 years. And uh, she played a very pivotal role in convincing him to go back to Rome, which he did. And uh, many people don't know, he subsequently regretted <laughs> going mm. back because it didn't go so well for him. Right. Uh, so, and she was involved with all the many many wars and skirmishes on the Italian Peninsula, because it uh, certainly was not a single country at the time. That didn't come until uh, modern history. And uh, mercenaries, and uh, you know, sweeping down from uh, northern countries, uh, especially John Hawkwood, an Englishman. Uh, we have several letters that she wrote to her, uh, wrote to him. So it was not a tranquil time at all.
0: We're talking with Father Thomas McDermott about St. Catherine of Siena here on her feast day, and um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Father, she was one of 23 children, which, of course, is, um, you know, we we don't see a lot of really large families nowadays, but even during her time, that had to be rather remarkable. (laughs)
1: Well, I would think so. Although, having said that, I had a uh, at one point I had a brother-in-law who was one of 18 children. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, 24 or whatever it was, there are a number of twins in there. Not all of them survived in Catherine's family. Yeah, I'm sure it was remarkable even in her day. Well, it's,
0: along those lines, talk a little bit about her her life and the, and the family life that they had growing up. You mentioned not all of the kids survived, and you know it had to be very, very extremely difficult for her in, in her growing up years.
1: Yes, well, uh, she didn't come from an extraordinarily devout Catholic family. They were just rather ordinary, and her mother um, could never understand really or appreciate her way of life. Now, Catherine. Uh, was not a nun and that would have been about the only church vocation open to her at that time but the religious orders, uh, this is in the 1300s the religious orders like the Dominicans which had started in 1221 uh, were setting up or had set up what used to be known as third orders or nowadays we would call them the Dominican laity, they were lay associates married men and women uh, some single um, and so that was her option. Uh, she was uh, very much on fire for the salvation of souls, which is one of the mottos of the Dominican Order and the purpose for which it was founded. And uh, that really um, excited her. And uh, the the vocation of a of a monastic, of a of a woman in a cloistered monastery, which was about the only official vocation open to women at that time. She respected that vocation very much. She even started a monastery of her own. She was always sending young women off to monasteries, including at least one niece. But she did. She never saw that as her own vocation, and uh, she wanted to get out there and actually preach, uh, not from the pulpit, but um, you know, in her in her contact with thousands of people. She became so popular at one point in her um, 33 years that. Um, more than a thousand people would often gather around her, just to see her and touch her. And we have a we have a true likeness of her, meaning a painting that was uh, done during her lifetime of a of a young woman, what we would call a devotee, kneeling in front of her and kissing her hand. And apparently, a lot of people uh, did that. But anyway, back to Catherine's family uh, it was um, close to what we would call a middle class family today. The house is still standing in Siena, not far at all from the uh, gigantic Dominican church there, San Domenico, and uh, run, of course, by the Dominican friars, and um, her father was a uh, a dyer, a dyer of wool, and um, his sons, of course, helped him, and uh, you wouldn't really recognize the house today as much of a house, because it's highly decorated, you know, and Uh, but there are still some features that were preserved. Uh, The original floor of the kitchen can be viewed. And then Catherine spent three years of her life um, in a little niche in the house uh, under the staircase, So in what uh, we might call a basement. And uh, that was like her monastic cell. And uh, she went there, uh, as part of the process of of uh, being a member of the Dominican Third Order. And uh, right away, the Lord, she reported later, started appearing to her and uh, talking to her and, more importantly, teaching her uh, the truths of the spiritual life. And uh, we would not have known about this because she didn't tell people But when she had a church-appointed confessor in the person of Blessed Raymond of Capua, who went on to become a a Master General of the Dominican Order, uh, he commanded her to uh, tell him everything, you know, about her uh, mystical life. So that's how we know these things. He went on, Raymond went on to write the uh, first uh, life of St. Catherine of Siena. It's still in print. Raymond of Capua, Life of Saint Catherine of Siena, a couple of different translations out there, and um, a lot of people know Saint Catherine from that book. And uh, so, um, yeah, she she um, she enjoyed a middle class lifestyle. She there were no schools in those days. There were tutors for the family of uh, the children of the uh, nobility and the aristocrats and. Uh, but Catherine didn't come from that kind of a family. She was very intelligent, but there's uh, not much evidence that she ever learned to read or write. But it's um, undoubtedly she was very intelligent, and she was one of these people like uh, Thomas Aquinas, who uh, we have three hundred and seventy-one letters of hers that she wrote. They they fill four volumes, so they're not just page and a half letters like we might. Uh, right, they're like little um, homilies or long homilies <laughs> that she wrote to all kinds of people, and uh, um, and so um, even though she was an illiterate, she dictated these works, that and the Dialogue of Saint Catherine, her masterpiece. See more about that later um, to her secretaries, and sometimes she would have. Uh, several secretaries working on different letters at the same time which is really incredible just as Aquinas would have scribes working on different books at the same time so he would finish with one scribe and uh, give him time to take it all down what he had just said move on to the next scribe who was taking down uh, dictation for a second work by Aquinas Catherine did the same thing with letters and um so we have this um, you know proliferation of letters from her hand and they're they're really um wonderful and uh, i recommend people start with reading the letters uh, perhaps more than even the dialogue
0: Fascinating. Father, please stay with us. We've got another segment coming up with Father Thomas McDermott. He is the pastor of the Catholic Center at Purdue University and also the writer and editor of several books about Catherine of Siena. It is her feast day today. And so, if you are named after her, or if you are a, maybe you're a third order Dominican, or perhaps we've got some Dominican clergy or sisters listening to us today, who God only knows, uh, happy feast day to all of you. And there is so much more for us to get into with Father Thomas McDermott. He mentioned the dialogue of St. Catherine. Um, we're going to talk about her mysticism. Uh, in fact, uh, she was, uh, I understand, at a very, very young age, um, had uh, a vision or our visions of jesus so very very gifted and a great gift to the church whose feast day we honor today saint catherine of siena i'm jerry usher in for Al Cresta. again we will have more with father thomas mcdermott about saint catherine of siena coming right up Nice of you to join us on Cresta in the afternoon here on the EWTN radio and Ave Maria radio. I am Jerry Usher, sitting in for Al today on this beautiful feast of St. Catherine of Siena, and that is our topic, our subject matter here. Going into our final segment with Father Thomas McDermott, pastor. He's a Dominican priest, pastor of the Catholic Center at Purdue University, entered the Dominican Order in 1977, was ordained in 1983. And, Father, we're talking about, there's so much to talk about. We could go on for hours and days, of course, about St. Catherine of Siena. But um, I wanted to just talk a little bit about something I mentioned before going into the the break, her um, apparently having, you know, visions of Jesus, even at, at a very young age, if I recall, six, seven years old, seems like she was spiritually gifted, even from uh, the youngest age.
1: Yes, it would seem so. I think her first mystical experience that we know about was uh, at the age of six, when she had been sent on an errand by her mother to um, uh, visit the um, much older sister and uh, who was married and living on the other side of Siena from where they lived. She went with her little brother who was slightly older than her. And as they were coming back home, uh, they were coming down a slope and the, the spot is, is uh, marked by a historical marker. Uh, she says she looked up in the sky and she had this vision of Jesus, a very strange one for a small child to have. He was dressed as a Pope uh so he was he was regal he was papal and uh he had his mitre on and he didn't say anything but he looked at her smiled and blessed her and he was flanked by um saint dominic i believe and saint john and some other saints too that she was fond of and um she was just entranced it was beautiful and um she never took her eye off that vision until her brother called her. And then she took her eyes off it, and um, when she went back to look at the vision again, it had vanished. And as a little girl, she started crying, but she she um, made a spiritual teaching out of that, you know, always stay focused on Jesus, never divert your attention. So um, whatever that vision was, it was, um, it it um, sustained her, really, for the rest of her life. It apparently conveyed to her a sense of mission, that there was some purpose that the Lord had intended for her in his life. So, uh, like I said, he didn't talk to her at that time, but there would be plenty of other times when he would talk to her. And these are what we call private revelations, um, not revelations for the whole church, not necessary um, for anyone to adhere to for their own salvation they're there take it or leave it but the church has examined them and determined that there's nothing that would be uh, against the faith or contrary to the morals of the church so um take it or leave it and um and lots of people have chosen you know to read saint catherine to be influenced by her and it's uh it's um she illustrates one way of applying the gospel in our lives and uh in many ways also her her teachings which we find in the dialogue and the letters are um are applications of scripture you know to actual life or also applications of the the virtues the, the characteristics of jesus christ and uh, doesn't replace the bible but it uh, it shows how it can be applied and how it was applied in medieval times by Saint Catherine of Siena and then other saints before and after her.
0: Mm-hmm. Fascinating, uh, Father Thomas McDermott, is sharing with us uh, uh, very, very, um, uh, you know, sublime and, and inspiring information and insights about Saint Catherine of Siena, whose feast day is today. And I would love to, uh, Father, talk a little bit more about the writings because you've you've, you've alluded to them several times. And um, before before we talk specifically about them, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Catherine is a doctor of the Church. Is that is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So yes, she's a
1: doctor of the Church. Go ahead. Uh, she was named uh, doctor in the 1970s by Paul VI, along with uh, Teresa Vavala, And uh, they were the first two women doctors of the church. And it wasn't even uh, certain in those days whether women could be doctors of the church. So it was uh, regarded as kind of uh, radical that uh, these two women were uh, proclaimed doctors. Especially, I think, in the case of St. Catherine, since uh, she might have been an illiterate, you know. And uh, illiterate, of course, meaning she couldn't read or write. But in which case, we have
0: a fascinating
1: <laughs> instance of, a, of an illiterate, you know, becoming a doctor of the Church. But what is a doctor of the Church? Right. I remember a high school kid once told me that uh, he thought it was the physician to the Pope. <laughs> he said, no, it's not quite that. It's a doctor of the church is someone who has a, um, uh, a certain teaching, doctrine in the sense of teaching. Doesn't change anything we know, but it perhaps puts the emphasis on something that had been neglected before. And, uh, um, you know, there are many ways in which, Catherine, you know, really didn't say anything new. But she highlighted uh, things in in the teachings of Christ and the teachings of the church that um, hadn't been highlighted for a while. And, um, you know, the role of the laity and um, uh, uh, the Pope, as uh, she would call him, sweet Christ on earth, you know. Mm. But um, she was really, you know, one of the most, perhaps the most remarkable uh, European woman of the of the uh, 14th century, the 1300s, and I've always found her her writings very life-giving, and I would recommend to all your listeners that instead of starting with uh, uh, Raymond Capua's biography of her, which is 800 years old, so it's um, you know it's it's going to answer questions that probably a lot of modern people don't have, uh, or instead of reading the dialogue, which is a uh, a compendium of her mature spiritual thought. Some people like it, some people are indifferent to it. When I was teaching at the seminary in St. Louis, I gave all kinds of uh, caveats to my seminarian students about reading the dialogue, and they read it, uh, chose to read more of it than the letters, and they they loved it, you know, so Hmm. people are different. But I would say for the generality of people, start with the letters and on the internet we have eighty out of um out of um, uh, you know, I forget how many three hundred and some of hers, three hundred and eighty mm-hmm. I think letters of hers. I forget what I said exactly earlier. Uh, but we have eighty uh, that were translated uh by an Episcopalian lady professor at Wellesley College more than hundred years ago. She translates it into Victorian English. And um, this lady, her, her name was Vida Scudder, uh, penetrated um, St. Catherine of Siena. She really um, came to understand her deeply. And she has introductions, the introduction to the book, which is in the public forum. it's uh, You can find it anywhere on the internet. Um, The introduction is excellent, and her introduction to the individual letters is excellent, too. So uh, I would recommend that. And by the way, I have a website um, on St. Catherine of Siena called Drawn by Love. Drawn by Love. She says the human heart is always drawn by love. So it's drawnbylove.com. And... um, So I have so many resources on that website, including uh, Vida Scudder's translation of the letters. Um, And I would recommend that, you know, your listeners look those up. Also, I would say um, they could start with one of the uh, better biographies of St. Catherine of Siena. And I think the best one is by Johannes Jorgensen. Uh, I think it was called Catherine of Siena or My Servant Catherine. I forget what it is, but if you just uh, type in Johannes Jorgensen Siena on uh, Google or Amazon, you'll get it. And I also have um, the complete book on my website, and uh, you can read it on the screen. I'm not sure you can print it out, but it doesn't cost anything. There are other biographies too, but uh, in my opinion, Johannes Jorgensen's Um, is the best Um, and there's another one by uh, Arrigo Lavasti and uh, Italian translated into English and uh, people always ask about Sigrid Unset's book I haven't read it Um, it's not as um, it's more of a literary work I think than it is a historical work but if you like that go ahead and uh, Try that one out, too. So all these things, except for the unsaid book, are on the website, Drawn by Love.
0: Okay. Beautiful. Yeah, I just <clears throat> just logged on to the site. It looks very, very
1: robust, if I might say that, Father. <laughs> Thank
0: you. Well, um, I've had it
1: for 13 or 14 years, So, and I keep adding to it. just added to it yesterday. Oh, beautiful, beautiful.
0: Um, we don't have a lot of time left, about three and a half minutes. Um, uh-huh. And there's so much more, as I said earlier, that we could talk about regarding St. Catherine. But one thing, um, you know, that some people know, a lot of people don't know, and this is this is a tremendous gift from God that she received to be able to basically survive only on the Eucharist. She did not eat any anything other than the Eucharist uh, daily for many, many years, if I, if I have that correct.
1: Yeah, I... Um... She had um, she was unable to keep food down, and I don't think she was anorexic because uh, someone in the audience once told me years ago when I started talking about St. Catherine, that anorexia is uh, is a kind of disorder. And there wasn't anything disordered about St. Catherine, but she did have some kind of food allergy. And we have a letter that she wrote to what we would call a diocesan priest today in in Florence saying, in so many words, I understand you had the same condition that I have, that you couldn't keep food down, please, but that you no longer have it. Please tell me what what herbs and medicines you took to get over it. So she wanted to get over this thing. Oh, okay. And, um, and I think it finally is what, you know, just ruined her her health, that she couldn't keep the food down. Uh, so she didn't even eat at the table much anymore. Um, she didn't live in a community. She lived with in her family house, and then when the family um, was no longer there, she um, lived with her mature friends who were also members of the Dominican laity, and they wore a habit. And, um, and they met together several times every day in the Church of San Domenico in Siena to uh, pray the office together. Uh, But they did not live together uh, because they were not uh, consecrated. They made promises Mm -hmm. as third order members, but they were not consecrated uh, individuals like nuns and monks.
0: Wow. Good stuff. Uh, excellent stuff, uh, Father Thomas McDermott. I wish we had a lot more time to continue on, but I'm looking at the clock ticking away, and we are just about out of time for this segment on the program. I want to thank you so very, very much, and uh, uh, you, you've done a great service to us and our listeners today, and, and thank you for your vocation. Uh, as, as one who uh, spent six years in formation for the priesthood myself before discerning out, I thank you for that, and you mentioned that you taught at uh, the seminary in St. Louis, so thank you for all of that. You're vocation and oh, for sure, your time today yeah this is thank great. you for
1: inviting me i'm always happy to talk about saint catherine
0: yes it shows it shows you've <laughs> got a real passion for her and, and promoting uh veneration and devotion to her thank you father so much for your time we appreciate it you're welcome thank you and god bless your program god bless you happy feast day okay well there's uh, uh some some things to chew on about saint catherine of siena a great saint whose feast day is today so much more could be said i would You know, well, she's written so much and given us so much. She is a doctor of the church. So, again, a happy feast day to those of you who celebrate it in a special way today. I'm Jerry Usher, in for Al Cresto. We're going to continue and finish up the broadcast in a moment.